Hello, I'm Phil Little, host of the Private Investigator Experience Podcast, where we talk about the cases and life of a private investigator. This is one of my short posts that I'm dealing with current events or situations out around the world which might affect us here at home. And as you're aware, if you've been watching any of my posts, I'm doing a lot of updates on what is going on with the Israel-Hamas war. It's of much interest to me because of my background in the Middle East, as well as my biblical worldview to watch the events of what's going on. We can learn much about the signs of the times that we're living in by being a good investigator and following where the facts lead us. I've been watching with interest this buildup of the Red Sea Naval Task Force as the uh, Houthis continue to launch missiles and drones on the commercial shipping lanes. And now there are confirmed uh, results that some of these are being launched directly from the Iranian shores, even though they very quickly and diligently, oh no, not from their shores. As I've been looking at this situation, I'm amazed at how we don't learn from the past. And this goes back to Bible times, back to almost the beginning, that the people would fall into some kind of evil traps and get out of them, and later on people would come right back into them again. We need to learn from our past, and that's some of the things I want to look at here today. The Houthis' original statement was that they were going to hit Israel-flagged uh, ships, but now they're, they're targeting all ships. As they increase the volume of launches, and they're growing practically every day, most of them are being shot down, but some are getting through with serious consequences. One of the ships that was hit and out of commission a couple of days ago was hit by an Iranian guided missile, which made a direct hit on the target, and it was tracked to being fired from Iranian soil. Now, it would appear that the U.S. approach toward Iran is like they're kind of tiptoeing around them and begging them not to get involved. It seems very apparent as the Iranian proxy strikes increase on our assets in Syria and Iraq, the U.S. response is very timid, to say the least, or more like a slap on the hand. What is the reason for this timid response to Iran when everyone knows what they're doing? It seems as if the U.S. is putting them up on a pedestal that somehow they could be on a level playing field for us. Or is there something else guiding our foreign policy? Let's go back to the Obama years and his June 4, 2009 speech in Cairo, and it appeared that he had a bias for the Muslim world. He seemed to be apologizing very bluntly for America. And this fostered much unrest in the Arab world. Many observers have attributed this to his Muslim father and his childhood experiences. Whatever the reason, this has been a negative for the U.S., as I watched this declaration of the Red Sea Force, it said it was going to be a deterrence to the attacks. It seems at this point, if it's just a response after the ship has been hit or attempted hijacking, just cleaning up the scenes while the Houthis had 
uh, Iran launched more missiles at new targets. They're definitely not preventing the attacks. It's apparent that whoever is calling the shots on what to do is uninformed in how you stop terrorists from operating. Or they are sympathetic to the resistance against Israel. I have heard this phrase many times for the Biden administration and other U.S. leaders to Iran and proxy terrorists. If you are planning on spreading the war, don't. It appears that the terrorist groups sponsored by Iran don't know what don't means because there hasn't been any consequences to them. Yes, we keep intercepting some missiles and drones, but that is just a cleanup and not taking out their ability to launch more missiles. If our words had any fire on them, we would have already shot down the Houthis and shut down their missile launch capabilities. They are attempting to shut down the shipping that is vital to the region and to the rest of the world. And much of it has no connection to israel Hamas war. We're sounding like the Iranians who have been threatening for decades that if the world made a move, on their terrorist interests or terror machines, they will go into battle. When the world moves against one of the terror machines, they will use their other proxies, but stay out themselves. They just keep talking. I'm reminded of another time when appeasement was tried and it didn't work. A vivid, very vivid example. Back in the Second World War, prior to that lead up to the war, instituted in the hope of avoiding war, Appeasement was the name given to Britain's policy in the 1930s of allowing Hitler to expand German territory unchecked. Listen to that. I suspect many of us have not even heard that in our history or we've forgotten about it. This was most closely associated with the Prime Minister at the time, Neville Chamberlain. It is now a uh, a discredited and it's uh, seen as a policy of weakness. Yet at the same time, it was a popular and seemingly pragmatic policy. Hitler's uh, expansionist aims became clear in 1936 when his forces entered the Rhineland. Two years later, in March 1938, he annexed Austria. Then at the Munich conference that September, Neville Chamberlain seemed to have averted war by agreeing that Germany could occupy the Sutherland, the German-speaking part of Czechoslovakia. This became known as the Munich Agreement. Now, in Britain, the Munich Agreement was greeted with jubilation. However, Winston Churchill, then estranged from the government, and one of the few opposed to this appeasement policy, described it as an unmitigated disaster. Appeasement was pro- uh, popular for many reasons. We might think about some of these today. Chamberlain and the British people were desperate to avoid the slaughter of another world war. None of us would like war. Many Britons also sympathized with Germany. Now listen to this. Sympathized with Germany, which they felt they had been treated unfairly following the, the defeat in 1918. Does that sound familiar like today? Where we having having all the sympathizers supporting Hamas, the terrorist organization, but despite his promise of no more territorial demands in Europe, Hitler was undeterred by appeasement. 
In March 1939, he violated that Munich Agreement by occupying the rest of Czechoslovakia. Six months later, in September 1939, Germany invaded Poland, and Britain was at war. Appeasement is weakness and leads the opposition to feel they can do what they want. And in our appeasement approach, we will learn like England did, the hard way, if we don't change that to an action approach. I'm trying to understand what is motivating the world leaders as they keep demanding this two-state solution with Israel's partner and country won't accept their existence or change their call for the destruction of all Jews. Perhaps it is because the last administration established the Abraham Accord, which seemed to bring Arab countries in to peace with Israel, and they realized that peace was better than conflict, and it would be in their best interest if they lived in a peaceful coexistence with Israel. Now, perhaps our administration is looking at that and thinking, oh, well, everything's going to be okay. But let's look at that. The outside Arab countries look at the world differently and have come to their own conclusions for their own future that it was more productive for them to have peace and stability in the region. That is not Hamas or Iran or the terrorist philosophy at all. Number two, these countries are not dependent on keeping a war going with Israel to keep the international community pumping money into their coffers. Hamas and the others are. In fact, most of the Arab countries privately are cheering on Israel and anything the U.S. would do to eliminate Hamas. Iran and its proxies are operating in a camp that wants world domination for their radical view and a world controlled by Shahar law. It's hard to negotiate and have a a peaceful coexistence when that is their goal. Trying to appease Iran, Hamas, and other terror evils uh, evils will end like the appeasement with Hitler in a world war. The longer appeasement goes on, the more innocent people will be killed. For there to be a two-state solution, there will have to be a change of heart on the part of Iran and its proxies that started thousands of years ago. And I might add, a lot of people have tried to change that down through these thousands of years, and it hasn't happened. My fellow Americans, the change of leaders in our national house or state house won't happen until we have a change in our houses at home, each one of us. We need to come to understand what the evil is and make changes and stand up and step out of the crowd. Then we can bring about change in elections where righteous men and women will be elected. My desire is to get you to investigate what is going on and see what you can do to step out of the crowd and make a difference. Would you help me by getting this message out by liking, sharing, and subscribing and hit that notification bell so you'll know when new posts come out? Please leave any comments on any of the podcasts or YouTube, or you can email me at plittle, P-I, 777 at gmail.com Will you step out of the crowd and let your voice be heard? Until next time, be safe. May God bless you. May God bless your family. And may God bless America.